Attended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Lease Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, joined by my co-host, Joseph Angelone and Daniel Gaeta. Boys, what a tough two games that was on the road trip on the back-to-back. Joe, let's start with you. How are you feeling before we go into depth? Uh, you know what? I don't really want to reminisce on it. Let's just move forward because, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of being the Leafs fan, you just got to get on with the disappointment and move on. But, yeah, we will talk about it today, see exactly what the Leafs did wrong. Uh, Dan, what about you? Not going to go into it too much before we start here. But, yeah, I'll say I'm definitely disappointed. I was, like, halfway happy with the first game a little bit. But the second one, obviously, is a disappointment. And I kind of touched touched upon uh my thoughts on that in the last podcast and that this could potentially happen and it did as you know <laughs> yeah Velj Melka put or Veg Melka put on a show 45 saves we talked about that in the last last episode you got to watch out for this guy this guy's really flown uh flew under the radar this year out in Arizona I guess that's because you know when people look at the record they don't necessarily think that a goalie on that team can actually play good Actually, their backup too, Scott Wedgwood, who they got on waivers, has actually been pretty good as well. So goaltending is not the problem in Arizona. But before we get to Arizona, let's go back to Vegas on Tuesday night. The Golden Knights came back in the third period, sent this one to OT. OT couldn't do it. The Leafs go to a shootout. Now, the first goal of the game, Nylander, nifty backhand on the breakaway. Beauty start to it. Uh, then Vegas capitalizes on the power play attempt. Colesar tapped one by Campbell. Uh, for his first power play goal of the season. Uh, then after that, the Leafs get two quick ones uh, to lead three to one. And then we saw William Carlson finish his on the backhand and then Pitcher, uh, Peter Angelo to tie this one up. Uh, boys, before I go, uh, how are you guys feeling on Tuesday night? Uh, I'll start it off, Joe. Um, again, I'm happy, obviously, that they, they got the win. They got a win against a very strong Vegas Golden Knights team. But at the same time, they should have learned from the Colorado game. They Even when they get these leads, they get these two, three-goal leads, they can't take their foot off the gas. They got to keep playing as if it's a one-goal game, as if it's a tie game, as if they're losing by one. They can't play any differently. And that's what I think happened against Vegas when they started to ease up. And then they kind of figured that out right when the game got tied, even though that is still a little bit late to figure it out. Uh, and then they... Uh, cleaned it up a little bit in overtime and they got the win and shootout. Yeah. You know what, Dan, I, uh, I touched on this in the last episode too. I said the Leafs have a tendency for kind of easing up in moments. I said it, it would happen against Arizona where they see they're playing a lighter opponent. They don't take it seriously. And you know what, when you're up three, one, you get the same mentality, you know, you feel like you have the game in the bag and yeah, they let off the gas and, Kind of, honestly, it was disappointing. Like, the Leafs did play a good game. Again, Jack Campbell stood on his head for this team. But you can't just take your foot off the gas and coast to a victory. You got to work hard the whole game. Yeah, it certainly was an eventful night. 
Um, that was the least first win actually in shootouts this season. Uh, it was, you know, you never really want to see a game decide in a shootout. I get it. It was really fun. I guess when I was younger, uh, as a child, I liked, uh, you know, the shootout aspect, but, um, you know, you never really want to let, you know, points come down to, I guess, the skills competition. We saw how that went in Minnesota early on in the year, but, uh, you know, let's recap kind of something uh, that, you know, it's been spoken about all over social media lately. Uh, the Leafs actually found a way to blow a lead on, uh, in the game against Colorado, and then they did it again on uh, Tuesday night against Vegas. Tell me, do you think this is a problem? Because uh, before I say my thoughts on this, um, I, I'm starting to see a trend here. Yeah, I'll touch upon that first, and I'll right out of the gate, I'm going to say it's a problem. You know, the defense and well, not the defense, the whole team, but specifically the defense, they just fall apart with these big leads, uh, three, one, four, one. And it's like, like I said, they just think it's a coast to victory. You know, I've played hockey my whole life. And I know when you think you have a game in the bag and you coast to victory, that's when it slaps you in the face the hardest. And, you know, thankfully we came out with both points uh vegas it doesn't really matter if we give them points as they're not in our division but yeah you know what it's a good slap in the face to to the leafs to say like they gotta smarten up it's a young team and they gotta yeah they just gotta smarten up then yeah i think i think the exact same thing I'm not gonna lie like i'm i'm still playing and uh our team um had a problem with this like near the beginning of the year where we would start off really hot, we'd start off really strong, and then we would tend to let the foot off, let our foot off the gas. Our coach noticed it really quickly. We really had to turn that around, and now it's consistent throughout a full game. I think that's literally the exact same problem the Leafs are having. Joe basically said the exact same thing, but they need they definitely need to fix that, or else like it's obviously going to be a problem come playoff times, crucial games, and actually any of these games in the regular season. Like they they add up, the points add up, so. Definitely need to, need to change that. Yeah, you know, just uh, watching the two games here uh, when they've blown the leads, like there's a lot of games you can go back and look at throughout the season. You can see games where, yeah, they might have finished the game with the win, but like the first one that comes to mind is the game where they hosted Columbus at Scotiabank Arena, and they were up like 5-1 going into the third period, and they only won 5-4. Like there's games all across the season where you could go back and start to wonder like, you know, after last year's playoffs, everything that was said to the fans, everybody's answer, uh, whether it be management or the players, um, especially Kyle Dubas and the rest of the front office, they all said, um, we got to develop a killer instinct. And it was all this topic about the killer instinct. And they really sold us on that. And how uh, that's what they have to really go out and find uh, this offseason. And honestly, when you look at the record, you think everybody thinks, you know, they have it solved. This is a team that's ready for the playoffs. You know, they know what they're up against. But if you look at their season so far, there's a lot of games here that I'm seeing where they let the opposition get right back into it. And then sometimes the opposition gets way too much momentum that they can't put a stake in the ground, and then they lose the game. And really, this killer instinct that, uh, that's that been sold to us, I don't see it. I, I, I find that we're seeing too much of this, uh, you know, run up the score and then just kind of stay compact and, trying to defend as best as they can. But the, like you said, Dan, 
they just take their foot off the gas. They don't drive it the full 60 minutes. And when they do, they're one of the best teams in hockey. They're a top five team when they're putting their um, foot on the gas. But when they're not, it's really evident. And you can see that they struggle with it. And this is a massive problem down the run here because, you know, we are still far away from the postseason, but we are in the back half of this uh, regular season now. Do you guys agree? Yeah, like some people could make the argument that, yeah, it could be like fatigue later on in the game. They get they get tired, but like I don't think that would be the case at all, especially because like right when the other team starts to come back into the game, they can just instantly heat back up again and play well. So I don't think it has anything to do with like being tired or fatigue. I think it's just strictly like a mental thing that they just really need to work on because like you said, we're now in the back half of the season. These are games are going to be really crucial from here on out and they need to fix it come playoff time. Yeah. You know what, then I couldn't have said it better. Honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth. So Josh, I'll just give it right back to you. Well, Vegas certainly started off, you know, um, it was a really nice game in the beginning until we got to the third, which like I said, it's a consistent problem, but they did get the win in the shootouts. William Nylander, who I think, in my opinion, was probably the player of the game for the Maple Leafs. What do you guys think? Uh, you know what? William Nylander, he's on a hot streak pretty much all season, to be honest. I love watching him play. Uh, player of the game? I don't know. William Nylander, he did secure the game. He did play amazing. But I do think Austin Matthews might be up there. But it's, it's pretty close. And another reason I'm saying Matthews is also last night in Arizona when he scored, he set a franchise record for road goals. So I think I'm just going to ease towards Matthews only because of that. But no, I do agree. William Nylander is really impressing me this year. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Josh. I think Nylander, Nylander was unreal from start to finish. I think like we've noticed over the last couple of years, he's probably been one of the most consistent players on the Leafs. Like, you know, when you see him on the ice, you can definitely rely on him and you know, he's going to do his job and do what he can. And so, and he showed that against Vegas and with his opening goal and then securing the win in the shootout. So, yeah, I think, I think Nylander was probably the most standout player on the Leafs. All right, and uh, we can't forget about uh, Soup's play in that one. Uh, you know, got to give a stick tap to him. Uh, you know, definitely not as, like, you know, best game all season long. But, man, this guy has been on a tear this season. Um, and that leads us to, like, we were talking about the second game of this back-to-back. Arizona, Matthews' hometown. You know, for me, it's it might be a weird answer, but, like, this is one of the most exciting road games of the season for me always. Uh, we don't see Arizona very often. We're only in Arizona like once a year. Um, and, you know, seeing Matthews and, you know, Arizona's really n- never had that powerhouse uh, since Matthews has been drafted. They've always been like, you know, bottom feeder to mid mediocre level. I know they went out and got uh, Hall and then Kessel that year and they made, they made it to the postseason, but they were never really like, um, like a must watch team. And I think, you know, with all the stuff Arizona's dealing with, uh, you know, in their market, um, you know, all the problems with the arenas and the facilities and all that garbage um, to see how much Matthews means to Arizona. And I know this topic makes Leaf Nation extremely uncomfortable uh, given, you know, his contract status in a couple of years, but seeing how, you know, Matthews is the face, <clears throat> the face of hockey over there in Arizona, 
And uh, for this, for like when the Leafs go to Arizona, I feel like it's always considered the Matthews game. Nope. Like even before puck drop, it's always the Matthews game. And uh, you know, he's my favorite player on the team, but I always get like extra like pumped up for this game. So I was really looking forward to it. Um, you know, a two, one win, it sounds extremely boring, but man, that is the opposite of this game. The Leafs, I know a lot of people were talking about all oh, the track game and, you know, some people still this morning, I, I, I was like on my way to work and I click on the radio and I see, uh, you know, people talking about how like the Leafs, uh, this was a trap game. They fell for it. I think that's completely off. Like the Leafs were the better team by far. Like there was no comparison who was the better team on the ice. Veg Melka was insane. That triple save sequence, I was losing my mind. I'm sure if you guys follow me on Twitter, you guys saw I was losing it. This guy was standing on his head. This was like Carey Price in the playoff type level. And it was extremely frustrating. You know, the Leafs lose 2-1. Um, before I go further into depth, I want to let you guys uh, go ahead first. So, uh, Dan, why don't you start us off with this one? Yeah, I, I think, like you said about Matthews, uh, Matthews in Arizona, those games are always exciting. Just him going back to his hometown. He definitely probably got a lot of kids more interested in even like starting playing hockey in Arizona as he's like probably one of the biggest if not the biggest player to come out of Arizona. And about the game, I thought, like you said, the Leafs were obviously the better team, I'll say offensively, but uh, there were some like defensive breakdowns that they had to fix. Like the second goal, Brody 1000% should have covered that man. I know the first goal was a little bit of a weird one. You, that happens, weird bounces happen, but that second one was easily preventable. Brody should have picked up that man. And so I think, again, the team was just focused on like all offense, like they're pumping this goalie with shots. They're, they can't get anything going. Their whole head is just like offense, 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 that they just had this defensive breakdown and that cost them the game. Yeah, I'm going to actually touch on what you guys both said about Austin Matthews in Arizona. I've watching the game and like in these small moments, even where Matthews has the puck and he's winding up and he releases one of his shots. He, just a shot on that, not even a goal. I noticed the crowd cheered more when Austin Matthews was involved in play more than they cheered for the Arizona Coyotes because you had a good mix of Leafs and Coyotes fans there. But the one connecting factor was Austin Matthews. And yeah, I think that's truly special for that team and that area, especially like a desert area to get little kids into hockey. Uh, but yeah, to the game. Like Dan said, the first goal, I'd consider it a bit of a fluke, a weird bounce off the glass. But yeah, you know what? 47 shots on net or 46 shots on net. The Leafs really couldn't buy a goal. That it, That's pretty much all I can say. Uh, one thing I also want to add about what you were saying, uh, Matthews in Arizona, just I don't know what it was last night, just watching how confident he looked with the puck. Oh, yeah. He looked so smooth. He was going like through defenders easily his shot was like crazy obviously that goal was nice his patented toe drag through the screenshot top corner that was so nice but yeah he just looked real real confident out there and like his hands were just on fire it was sick to watch you can tell with his parents there he had that extra jump in his stride like you said dan that guy was just on fire straight from puck drop um you know he really wanted that record too and there was that one play in the game where he tried to do the Michigan. And I was like, <laughs> if he scored that, if Matthew scored that for the record in his hometown, oh my gosh, imagine that. Like, that would have been such a spectacular moment. 
Um, but like you said, uh, Dan, yeah, Brody was like really disappointing seeing like your, I guess your most defensive uh, defenseman, you know, known as that kind of, you know, safety guy at the back. Uh, give up like a weird goal like that. I know he kind of got beaten on the coverage. It was an odd man rush. But like, you know, in a game like that, I know Keith kind of said we didn't get that big save. And he kind of put the blame, I guess, on Morazic in a way. Like, I'm not, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, he kind of shifted the blame to him uh, by saying we needed that big save. But, you know, yeah, you need the save there. Morazic did give up two goals on 18 shots and while the Leafs were dominating. But Brody clearly got beat. And that was just sloppy defending. And that's not something you want to see from your best defensive defenseman on this team, especially being paid what he is. And I'm saying I'm not saying anything about Brody and the season he's having. I think he's been a really nice piece of this team. I think he's been actually really good since the pause, even offensively, was something we haven't really seen. He's taking more freedom up front. He's even shooting a lot more. So, you know, I'm not going to criticize him too much. I think it was just a weird kind of night for the Leafs. You can clearly tell, though, that the frustration was there. Veg Melka was insane. Um, the Leafs got their opportunities. They just couldn't finish. Um, but before we get to Saturday night, um, you know, we kind of just recap this back to back here. Did the Maple Leafs get exposed? And what I mean by that is there's been two games that stand out to me. And I know I'm not the kind of guy, I'm a huge believer in speed and that, you know, the more modern game and all the analytics show that, you know, how much uh, good speed and talent brings instead of, you know, uh, just old type uh, physical goon hockey, I guess. But we've seen now in two games this year where the Leafs have kind of got out muscled in a way. And uh, it's really got them off their game. Now, credit to Veg Melka. He really was the, like, the biggest factor in this, the 45 saves. This guy was just stopping pucks left, right, and center. But you can see, like, there was one play where Bunting got punched in the face for no reason. And then both of the, I think it was uh, – I can't recall the, def- uh, the Arizona defenseman's name, but Bunting just got punched in the face for no reason. They both end up getting minor penalties. Um, they even got on Tavares' skin in the early period. They were pushing Matthews around. They were even getting uh, into Mrazic's area. You know, they really gooned it up. And I think the Leafs had a tough time with that. Now, I know the media, once, uh, you know, this becomes a bigger topic, I'm sure they're going to blow this out of the water, saying the Leafs need to get tougher. And, you know, the same old talk we've been hearing for the last decade or so. But, you know, Richie, for example, a guy that's kind of been pushed out of the lineup, that's been taking stupid penalties. I, I know this is going to sound like really critical and stuff, and but I just have to let the frustration out. Richie has been taking stupid penalties since he's returned. It's been really frustrating. I don't give a flying F if he scored in that game against Colorado. The, the, just the stupidity on the ice at certain times. And I was a huge Richie believer, but now it's enough's enough. You know, it's so bad that in yesterday, I'm like thinking like, please, Richie, like do not take one of those penalties that you've been doing lately. But, you know, I was a believer in him. I think that he still has time to turn around. You can tell he wants to stay in Toronto. So, um, you know, credit to him. Obviously, things have been tough for him, but do you guys see what I'm saying? Like, th- this is the second game. The first game is obviously Winnipeg. Now, we know Wall didn't have his best start in that one, but when the Leafs get out-muscled, it starts to look like a problem for this team. Yeah, I th- I, we've heard that also in the past when it comes to, like, their playoff series. Um, that tends to be a factor that the other team plays more physical against, physical against the Leafs. But I, I've noticed this year even they have been better against like physical teams and they have even been more physical themselves. I've noticed that they like, even some of the defensemen, like even last night's game, like um, Dermot, Dermot was laying some big hits out there. I saw him lay a pretty big hip check, send a guy, send a guy flying there. And just uh, yeah, it's been more physical for them 
for them. So I don't think it was like a huge factor that Arizona was playing more physical, even though it might have gotten under their skin a little bit. They still like just blatantly outplayed Arizona. It could have went either way. I think that one has to go more to Veg Malka. I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah, I'd say it was more more so the goaltending than the uh, than the physical play by the Coyotes. Yeah, you know what? I I agree with you, Dan. Last night, it definitely was just the Leafs not being able to score. But Josh, your comment on the Leafs being exposed and when they face toughness, they kind of fold under the pressure. And the big game you think about is the Winnipeg game. But, you know, you think of the names that we've brought in in the past two, three years. Names like Kyle Clifford, uh, Wayne Simmons, Nick Ritchie. You know, these are the big players that you want to kind of make a stand to be that physical presence that the Leafs are getting faced with. But as it turns out, like you said, Nick Ritchie just takes penalties. Kyle Clifford, I'm not going to lie, almost seems invisible on the ice. Uh, Wayne Simmons, he does impress me as though he's not a goal scorer. Just he he will not ever hesitate to throw the body, which I love to see. But yeah, you know, the Leafs, if especially come playoff hockey, you know, this is the big topic, playoff hockey. If you're not going to be physical to match the other team's physicality, then there's your playoff series right there. Well, it's just, you know, I let my emotions get the best of me when I was talking about Rich. But uh like, I, I brought that up because, you know, when I saw Tavares get into that situation, you know, he can – you could see the anger in his face. The camera literally zoomed in and they gave him a close-up head view of, you know, him being overly, you know, angered. I don't want to see that from my star players. And I'm, I'm sure many people could agree. Now, do I like my star players not being, you know, I guess the term soft? Of course. But – I don't want to see, you know, Matthews and Tavares in a playoff series having to stick up for themselves. There's guys on this roster who Kyle Clifford's not here playing because he scores goals. Clifford's here to be that kind of, you know, depth down the bottom, fourth line kind of guy where he has the ability to fight and, you know, bring that kind of physicality to this lineup that it lacks. But I didn't see any of that from those guys. And I brought up Richie, and that's what really started this whole Richie, like, like uh, outrage. <laughs> is he didn't do anything when they were going up again. Like, okay, Bunting, I know he gets his head dirty. One of my favorite players. I talked about him all offseason long. You know, this is what he does. He's, he's dirty. And that, uh, in preseason, they called him the greasy rat. That's what he is. I love Bunting. I love Bunting getting into those areas. I love that he got into that little scrum. But Richie, come on. You were just placed on waivers. You go out, you score in your first game back. Leaf Nation's kind of like, okay, let's give this guy another chance. You know, the positives were going around. Then he takes a stupid penalty in back-to-back games. Then in this one, you know, really no effect physicality. All we heard about this guy was how he can drop the mitts and, you know, he brings that tough edge to this Leafs team. And he's getting paid a lot compared to anybody on the bottom six. That $2.5 million is not cheap on this Maple Leafs roster. And he went out there and he was just, just simply there. And I can't say it enough. It's really frustrating. And I know he's probably going to be here for, you know, I guess at least the short term. We'll see what happens in the offseason or at the trade deadline. But there's not really going to be teams lining up to take this guy, especially after last night. You know, they clearly went after Tavares. You know, Matthews kind of is able to stay, uh, stick up for himself. But so I don't want to see my star players getting into that kind of stuff. And I really wanted Richie to step up. I wanted, you know, Wayne does his own stuff that's perfect. You know, he's not the fighter that he once was a couple years ago. He can bring it when he wants to. And that's one of my favorite things about him. But, uh, you know, he, he's 
really good at playing his uh, fourth line role in that line uh, when in terms of puck possession and, you know, winning it back. But I, I just didn't see enough from Richie. But, you know, enough from that game. I think, uh, you know, it's time to move on to St. Louis. And uh, so, Dan, you want to start off with uh, the Blues? Blues. Um... We'll start off with – hold on, let me rephrase that. Is there anybody on the Blues you're excited to see on Saturday night? Oh, you scared me for a sec. For a second, I uh, when you said let's go to the Blues game, I was thinking like it happened or something. I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> oh, on the Blues, um, I can't really. Uh, I was gonna say Braden Shen, but I think he's on the COVID IR list, isn't he? Yeah, he is. What was that? Yeah, it's always a always a treat to watch him. I remember seeing him on like the world juniors team Canada roster. That was kind of one of my favorite years to watch, but I kind of think I can't, <laughs> nothing, nothing really comes to mind. Josh, I got to ask just cause I don't know. Is Bozak going to be playing? Uh, Bozak. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure he is. Cause you uh, know what? Watching last night's game. Every time Kessel touched the puck, my body, I just got butterflies. I'm like, if there's one coyote, I want to score. I want it to be Phil Kessel. Yeah, uh, and he scores against us. <laughs> so if that's going to happen again on St. Louis, I'd want it to be Bozak, you know. He was with the team for a while. I'm not going to lie to you. Bozak is going to be in the lineup, currently slated on the fourth line with Nathan Walker, who I wanted to bring up Nathan Walker, one of my favorite players in the NHL. This guy is one of the only Australians in the league. If you, guys, if you listen to this guy's story, you know, he was on Spitting Chicklets uh, a couple weeks ago. This guy is awesome. But he's one to watch out for. You know, since he's called up, he has that offensive threat. I know he's on the fourth line, but they also have that Clem Costin kid who was a first-round pick. He's also one to watch. This is a really good Blues team. And the first thing I'm going to bring up with uh, St. Louis is they're actually the second-best power play in the National Hockey League right now. This is a really under-the-radar team here in terms of, you know, Stanley Cup contenders. They just did it a couple years ago. They got Ryan O'Reilly at the wheel. This team is tough to beat. And, uh, you know, their first line with Barbashev, O'Reilly, and Buchnevich, that move they made with the Rangers, absolute steal by St. Louis, only giving up Sammy Blay and, uh, you know, other stuff moved around. But, you know, Buchnevich has fit in so well with this team. But the line that scares me the most that I think the Leafs are going to have to try and get either the Tavares line or the Camp line to match up against is the Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and Brandon Sod second line. Uh, you know, we're very uh, familiar with Robert Thomas and what he brings to the ice, uh, given, uh, you know, where he's from. That's uh, close to all of us. But um, this line has been clicking on all cylinders. You know, Kairou's had a season that nobody really expected. He's been so fun to watch. Um, what do you guys think about this line? I'm not going to lie to you. While I was uh... – after you asked that question and Joe was talking, I searched up the Blues roster and I was actually going to mention Robert Thomas. He's always exciting to watch. I think he's a pretty good, gritty player. But yeah, he's a, an Aurora hometown kid where we're, where we're all from. So it's nice to, uh, nice to see an, uh, <laughs> a guy from your hometown start playing well in, in like professional sports, especially in the NHL. But yeah, I think, I think it's been a pretty good line. Like they've been pretty strong uh, score. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about this Blues team, but from what I've heard and from what you've told me, yeah, they're definitely a line to watch out for. 
Yeah, I I agree with Dan, especially having one of the best power plays all season long with these two solid uh first line forwards or these two uh solid forwards. I'm gonna say I picked up one of my friend's fantasy teams and he just had it loaded with these St. Louis Blues. And I looked at it first and I was confused. And then I realized these forwards, these two forward lines are going off right now. It's definitely something you want your more defensive Maple Leaf lines to go up against because if there's a mismatch, it's definitely going to be something the Blues can take advantage of. Well, uh, something we were talking about early on in this episode a couple minutes ago about the physicality, there's actually a defenseman on the St. Louis Blues team named Nico Mikola. Um, This guy is tough. Like, he's tough, and he does not care who you are. This is the guy, I don't know if you guys saw last week, Crosby getting into that little scrum and, uh, you know, the cut of his nose. This is the kid that actually went up against Sid. He's tall, he's tough, and this guy can play hockey like a really sound, poised defenseman, and he's so strong on the puck. Um, He does so well for St. Louis. They have such a nice piece uh, to the roster with this guy. Uh, you know, if we saw that in Arizona, this guy's for sure going to go after Matthews. Like you would think I've seen a couple of St. Louis games in the last week or so. He's not afraid to go against the best players and try and, you know, stir it up, get in their face. Like he did with Sid. And you could see that usually never really gets to Sid. Sid's kind of a passive kind of guy. You know, we've seen him for decades now, but he got under his skin big time. And, you know, this is kind of something to watch in my opinion, because if he's able to get under Matthews skin, and, you know, Marner will be back, in my opinion, for this game. Um, you know, that's obviously not for sure, but I think he will be back, uh, given since this game's on Saturday. But uh, if, you know, this is the Leafs team that we saw last night against the St. Louis Blues team, I'm a little nervous because Bennington is no uh, just your average goaltender. You know, he can play up to a high caliber. Uh, yeah, you know what, Josh? I completely agree with that. Uh, I think, first of all, Mitch Marner coming back, he definitely uh, sets a tone for the least defensive play on the penalty kill. And just in general, this guy, I think the Leafs right now are struggling because they don't have Mitch Marner. And when I say struggling, I'm not talking about winning or losing games. I'm talking about blowing leads and losing stupid games to Arizona. And secondly, you mentioned, uh, what's the defenseman's name on the Blues? Nico Mikola. I think this is... You got Austin Matthews with Michael Bunting on his line. Michael Bunting will stand in the way. But you know what? This is uh this is a call to Nick Ritchie. Pick up the phone. If this is gonna be your tough opponent, this is a time where you show what you got. Or even Clifford, you know, this, sorry to cut you off, Dan, but this is Clifford's former team, right? Like, can Clifford finally start really showing his, you know, ability to play physical tough hockey? You know, we just saw him the other night take that penalty in Vegas. Now, it wasn't even his fault. That was an awful call. But I want to see more from Clifford, right? Like, there's guys that we can find in, the, in, you know, on the Marlies that would be a lot more productive if he doesn't really want to do the tough stuff. And I know it's obviously got to go two ways. There's got to be another guy that wants to go with you. But, you know, I really haven't seen that from Clifford. And the only really guy, uh, guy that I'm going to go out and defend uh, to keep on this team in terms of that kind of role is Simmons because – you saw in Winnipeg, Simmons wasn't afraid. And uh, that's when we saw Clifford actually, you know, get into it. Um, but ever since then, you know, Clifford's been really quiet and he hasn't been doing much offensively. But um, Dan, let's send it back to you. Um, Jordan Bennington against Campbell. That's the projected matchup. Who do you think has the advantage in that one? Um, 
All right, yeah, Bennington Campbell. I'll obviously have to go with my hometown team, Jack Campbell. I think he's been very hot recently. He's been playing outstanding. We know when he gets confident, he plays amazing, although Bennington is also a very good goalie, just like we said about uh, comparing Campbell to Robin Leonard. I think it's going to be a very good matchup that could go either way, but just based on how Campbell is playing right now, I think it will lean towards his favor. Yeah, Dan, I agree with you. I'm going to add on that. Uh, I talked about it in the last episode too. You know, Jordan Bennington, although not as strong as Jack Campbell this year, just based on the stats alone, they're both very good, very consistent goaltenders, uh, both backed up by pretty good offensive teams. So I think that matchup is honestly a very exciting one to watch. I think of this whole week with Vegas, Arizona, and the Blues, I'd probably look forward most to the Blues, honestly. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree with both of you guys. Bennington, um, he's, you know, such a – like a cool story, I guess, to describe him. You know, he came up that year. They were last. They won the cup. Um, you know, he's been a good NHL goalie since, but he's never really been that super stud that, you know, like a like a Vasilevsky or a UC Soros. He's kind of just been that above average to kind of good tier. So in terms of the way Campbell's playing this year, in my mind, no doubt, the Leafs had the advantage in goal. Uh, as you guys know, he was just voted into the All-Star game. Congratulations to him. Uh, first time in his career, which I think is really cool. Um, so I think the Leafs definitely have the advantage there. But going back to the power play, you know, Vegas scored on the power play in that game. Um, I'm kind of nervous going up against the second-ranked unit. Now, it's actually one of only two units ahead of the Leafs so far this season, which, uh, you know, usually the Leafs, it's been like a given obvious that they've had the advantage on the power play in these games. But now it's actually one of those teams that actually has a better conversion rate and uh, the other one being the Oilers. But, um, you know, if you look at the recent stretch, number one since the pause has been St. Louis by a pretty large margin. And uh, the name of Jordan Cairo, which I brought up, he is so dangerous. And I said that he's clicking on all cylinders this year. You really got to watch out for this guy. And I'm actually really nervous about uh, Muzzin and Hall going up against uh, that line because, you know, Muzzin and Hall, although they have picked up, um, you know, where they left this – disaster of a season before the pause they've been a lot better even hall suddenly is starting to get points which is you know definitely not sustainable but always a nice contribution but um how do you guys feel about this matchup because like i'm kind of nervous like you know muzzin and hall yeah they're you know bigger and they're more physical kind of defensemen especially on this leafs team that's more known for its speed and skill uh maybe a western conference opponent like these guys uh might actually help their game but what do you guys think um, as far as like the power play and the blues, a very strong power play goes, uh, from what I've been told throughout the years, if you know, a team has a really strong power play, even though it, you could defend them on the kill, the best kill is just don't try not to get your penalties, try to play, play smart, stay out of the box. And then you don't have to worry about them on the power play, obviously. So as long as the least do that, they're fine. But if they do get the power plays, they just got to really like focus up defensively, obviously on the kill. And I think this is a really big test game for the Leafs as like they've had a little two shaky games, obviously, like the not so great defensively against Arizona. They were pretty good offensively, but just couldn't finish. And then just a bit of a weird game against Vegas. They started off strong, but again, got us a little shaky near the end. So I'm not sure how we feel about that one. They're going to really need to like uh, 
test themselves here to see if they can play a full 60-minute game against a very strong Blues team that I really hope they come out with two points. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say, when you're talking about the power play and the penalty kill, one name he's returning, hopefully this weekend, my fingers are crossed, is Mitch Marner. You know, he directs play on the power play and the penalty kill. He's one of the only Leafs, I think, that can do that. Or one of the only forwards, I think, that can do that as well as he does. So I think, obviously, Dan said the best way to kill a penalty is just stay out of the box. But, you know, a bad tripping call, a bad hook here, you can't really control it. So I think if Mitch Marner is back, that gives the penalty kill much more ease, a much stronger penalty kill. And same thing, if the Leafs get a power play, I think, as you said, the Blues are one spot ahead of the Leafs, but with Mitch Marner's return, I think the Leafs are right back in it with as strong or stronger of a power play. Well, you can tell somebody's definitely excited that Mitch Marner's coming back, given, by the way, Joseph's been talking about him. Um I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am too. He's a, he's a superstar. But, uh, you know, what you said right there, Joe, the Leafs are actually, I don't know if this is still, you know, the exact number, but I believe the Leafs are actually number one in uh, penalties uh, taken. They're actually the like the least penalized team league-wide, which is actually a really cool statistic because if you're staying out of the box, you know, that's always a good thing, right? You know, you got your lines regularly flowing. You can stick to – you know, your plan going into the game. When you take a lot of penalties, you often got to shift lines. You know, you got to kind of shorten your bench a bit because usually your all-stars aren't on your penalty kill. So it's good that the Leafs had the advantage there. But, you know, you're always going to get stupid calls called on you, no matter what. Like the call on Clifford in Vegas, like that got Vegas right back into the game. That was stupid. That was not a trip. That was not a slew foot. It was just Clifford out using his muscle against the Vegas defenseman who fell to the floor and the ref just called it because – you know, what else is refing to the score than what we see in the NHL every single night, right? So, um, you know, penalties are going to be called, but I think it's really cool that the Leafs are the least penalized team. I think that's, you know, a huge advantage um, as the season goes along. But you, you like you said, you got to be careful. Hopefully Marner's back. If Marner's back, that's huge. He brings a different kind of skill set to this Leafs team. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about his power play goals and all that stuff, but nobody really talks about how he's like one of the only all-stars on this team that actually plays on the penalty kill and that can do so many great things defensively as well. Uh, but also credit to Matthews in that way too, because I've really noticed that he's actually started to pick up on the defensive end. You know, last year he got a lot of praise for it and then it kind of filtered out. But, you know, I think it was the game against Vegas where Mark Stone had a great opportunity and Matthews with a really underrated stick check um, you know, saved uh, Vegas from a goal. Um, you know, that kind of gets us close to the end of this episode. Um, I'm sure you boys are excited for Saturday night. I love seeing Leafs in St. Louis as well. I think it's, you know, got that bit of old school vibe to it. Uh, it's one we don't see often. Um, you know, it's one of the last games here uh, against these Western Conference uh, opponents like this on the road trip. Uh, any last things you guys want to touch up on before we end the episode? Uh, you know what? I think I think we've covered it all. I mean, you guys have both taken the words right out of my mouth when talking about uh, the past games and this Blues game coming up. So, I don't know, nothing really to touch up on. I just want to see a good game. Hopefully, the Leafs can pull the two points. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I think we've covered everything. 
and yeah, excited to see this game on Saturday and excited to dance Joe on the outdoor rink again tonight. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you all for listening to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. We shall be back with you guys as soon as next week. Um, Joe and Daniel, thank you for joining me again. Uh, go Leafs, go, and uh, let's hope we have a good Saturday night. Thank you all for listening, and that's it from us. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Yeah. Uh-huh.